Hey, good morning, church. We are really excited to be continuing and closing out this series called The Fight today. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and today is the last week of The Fight. How many of you enjoyed this series so far? You got a lot out of it? I hope so. Uh, if you missed any of it, you can go back. You can listen on iTunes. We have a podcast. Just search Project Church Sacramento, or you can go on our YouTube channel or on our website. All our sermon videos are on there, so you can watch uh, but we've been covering a lot of things that we want to fight for over this series. We've been talking about fighting, man, fighting for unity, fighting for the lost, fighting for dreams and goals, fighting for marriages. But today, I believe, is one of the most important ones, and that's we're going to fight for the next generation. And so today is Family Sunday. You probably saw our kids down here. The kids were in worship. We highlighted some, we did some baby dedications, child dedications in both services uh, but today, I want to continue this series and close it out talking about fighting for the next generation. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Titus. I'm going to be reading from there primarily. It will be on the screen for you. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app for all the notes. But I uh, would love to, for you guys to jump on that, check it out. But uh, we're going to be coming from Titus chapter 2 today. Titus chapter 2. I want to encourage you next week to come back. We're starting an all-new series. We're going to hand these cards out on the way out. This is our new series. It's very bright and colorful. Uh, it's called Have It All. And the tagline behind this series is Living and Giving from the Overflow. So we're tying this into Hope Week, which is the end of this, of this month, where we're going to be releasing generosity, irrational generosity, all around the city. We have, I think, 15 projects where we're trying to fill 500 slots. So we'd love for you to jump in, to serve, but to come back for this series as we really look into and dive into what it means to be a generous people, to live generously, not, not with just with our money, but with our time, with our energy, with our gifts, with our talents, everything that God has given us. So come out next week, bring somebody with you. But as we talk today about fighting for the next generation, it really got me thinking about the culture and what we're focused on. In this culture, we're very focused on building our brand, building our platform, uh, Building me, myself, I, what I'm doing, letting people know the, the dreams, the goals I have. But I think that often in the mix of this and in the, the striving and the driving and the pushing for, for platforms and, and, and notoriety and, and dreams that we can often forget and miss the fact that we're called to leave a legacy. And you see, a legacy isn't just about what we do. A legacy is about who we influence and, and, and what happens after us. You see, I, I'm a third-generation pastor. My grandfather was a pastor, and my father, and now myself, and I'm a part of a legacy. And that's what my legacy looks like. And I'm continuing that legacy, and I, I hope my children one day love Jesus. I don't care if they're pastors. I just want them to love Jesus. And that's the legacy that I want to have, that I want to pass down. But maybe that's not your legacy. I know my wife... Her father, she's Filipino. Her parents were born in the Philippines. They came over in their late 20s to America. He joined the American Navy. And while he was in the American Navy, he came into faith in Jesus Christ at the age of, what, 25, 26 years old. Gave his life to Jesus and then began to raise his children in a way that pointed them to Jesus. My wife then gave her life to Jesus and now she's married to me. I have the pleasure of being married to her. Her story looks very different than mine. Her, her legacy is different. And yet we both are believing that our legacy is going to carry on after us. It's going to follow us. 
And so I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your past is. Maybe you have a legacy of destruction, dysfunction, unhealth, uh, a devastation. Maybe that's your story. Maybe that's your legacy. I want to declare over you today that today you can begin a new legacy. That today you can declare a new legacy over your life, over your future. And it starts with us fighting for the next generation. So I want to read first, before we go to Titus, I want to read from Judges chapter 2. And I want to read starting in verse number 7. It says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, died at the age of 110. They buried him. And then going to verse 10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, meaning all of Joshua's generation died. They were gathered to their fathers. They died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. I read this and it breaks my heart. Because I read this and I see a generation just following the generation of people who have been slaves in Israel have been delivered because God had done miracles with these plagues that finally let Pharaoh let his people go. God splits the sea. They walk on dry land. Then the sea collapses on the Egyptians who are chasing them. They're led by a, a, pillar, a, cloud, a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This is what happens for this generation. And this generation dies, and the generation immediately following them, it says they don't know the Lord. They don't know the works of the Lord. They don't know what God has do had done for the people of Israel. And that just, like, is devastating if you think about it. It's shocking. It's heartbreaking. And yet I believe we sit on the cusp of a generation that this could be their story. We sit on the cusp, and I'm not trying to be like a fear-based preacher here today. I'm not trying to instill you with, with worst-case scenario, but we are at a turning point right now, I believe, in America, where people more than ever before are leaving the church, running from the church, pushing away and pushing back on the religion of their forefathers, and our churches are literally emptying. The pews are emptying. The chairs are empty. And I believe that we have a responsibility and we're in a fight and we have to fight for this next generation. That they would not have this story. That they would not have this story that they did not know the God of their fathers or the God of Israel. But that we would raise up a generation that wouldn't just know our God but would be more passionate about our God would love our God more, would pursue our God more, would pursue revival, would pursue awakening. I don't want to raise a generation that says, wow, that was nice for my parents, but that's not for me. But that's what we're seeing happening in America right now. And I believe that we as a church, and it has to start with us here, we can't control any other church, we can't control what's happening over there, but we can't control what's happening here. That we say, as for us, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will follow God. I will point my children to God. Look, I love sports. 
My wife will tell you, man, I watch sports all the time. I play sports all the time. I push my kids to play sports. But my wife said something to me the other day. It was a couple weeks ago. And it really, like, it froze me. And it humbled me. And, and, and it made me think. She said, Caleb, I don't want our kids to be more passionate about sports than they are about God and the church. And she said, we need to really think about how we're leading them and parenting them because I know you love sports and you know I love sports my wife is saying this um, but I, I want our kids to be more passionate about the church about Jesus than any sport ever and we live in this generation now where we as parents man we're trying to give our kids every opportunity all the opportunities we didn't have and so we got kids in sports seven days a week you know 365 days of the year they're in it from from morning till school and they get out of school and they go right there and then Sundays are tournament days and, and, and playoff days and practice days and game days and we've pushed the church as it's just an extracurricular that maybe if we have time, maybe if we have time after all that other stuff we'll get there. I don't want that to be the story of my house. I don't want that to be the story of this church because in doing so, you know what we're saying? God isn't a priority. God is an afterthought. God isn't a priority. God is, we give him our leftovers. And I don't want to give the God that I serve my leftovers. I want to give him my best. I want to give him my first fruits. I want to give him what matters most to me. And so I'm humbled right now before you to say I'm rethinking even how I'm parenting my children in this moment. How I'm leading my home. How I'm leading my family in this moment. Today though, I, I want to challenge us. I want to ask you a question. Will this generation, you and I, will we live to get a leg up or live to set up the next generation? Because a lot of us, man, we're trying to get a leg up. We want to build our platform. We want to build our, 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 our brand. We want to build our social media. We want to build our dreams. We want to build what we're pursuing. But are we doing that at the cost of setting up the next generation? I don't want to do any of that. And my kids are along this journey with us. We planted this church five years ago. They've been along this journey with us the whole way. This is part of a dream that God has put in Chrissy and I's heart. And we're going to continue to pursue that dream. I'm not saying don't do your dreams. I'm not saying don't build your brand. I'm not saying don't build your platform. But what I am saying is are we thinking about the next generation in all this? Are we thinking about setting up the next generation in all of this? And as a church, we're making some shifts. As a church, we're making some shifts even right now because one of our blueprints is this. Generations is our goal. And here's what we say. We will celebrate, value, and empower the next generation to impact our world. And so we're making a shift. We, we, we've had this in our blueprints from the beginning of our church. But let me tell you, it was there in word only. Our actions didn't back it up. Our attitude didn't, didn't follow through on it. And, and we built everything more for, for the current generation rather than the next generation. And God's been speaking to us, and we're like, we got to make some changes. So I'm going to invite some friends up with me right now. We got our kids director, Heidi, is coming. Our youth leader, Tyler, and he's got a youth with him. And then our young adults team of Alex and Joel, they're coming up here. I wanted to highlight what we're doing for the next generation. So one of these shifts, this is Heidi, guys. Heidi is our kids' director for downtown. Heidi has done this in a part-time role, uh, very part-time, uh, for the last 
well, I don't know, six months or so. But as of last week, um, and I'm really excited to announce, we have hired Heidi full-time. She starts October 17th with our church. So she's going to be doing some executive admin roles for our church. So it's not just kids, it's that too. But she'll have more time to focus on kids and what we're doing for the next generation, what we're doing for kids. So I'm super pumped for this. So I want Heidi to talk a little bit about what's happening with kids, what's going on, what we're doing, and uh, give them a little bit of the rundown. Yeah, absolutely. So God has been doing some incredible things with kids over the past, I would say, six months or so. He has really grown us. Um, but I'm believing that this is just the tip of the iceberg and that he has something even greater for kids here. But um, we have have just laid down this foundation of we believe that the most important thing that these kids come in with is learning um, how much the God their father loves them. Like first and foremost, that is their foundation. God loves them. And then once they've encountered that, we have so many different teaching styles that we use to teach the word to these kids. And so over there, we actually have our nursery. You guys have probably heard the kids jumping around in the jump house. Um, so that's ages zero to four, and it's grown so quickly that we're actually going to start splitting it. We're going to be doing a nursery and a preschool in that area. So for our older children, we can begin to really dive a little deeper into the word and um, teach them in a way that they're able to grasp it and really understand it. Um, I know it starts so early. I became a Christian at four, so it's just never too soon to really be telling these kids how much the Lord loves them. Um, and then downstairs in elementary, it has really been growing. It's been so amazing. We have um, grades kindergarten through fifth there. And down there, the kids are learning all about how much the Lord loves them. They're getting to play games that always tie into a message. And they um, are doing live worship. They're giving back to the community. They've really just been um, empowered to lead and grow and be lights in their generation, truly. Um, so it's been really a cool opportunity to get to work with all of them. Yeah, so we're really excited to have Heidi coming on to be given even more energy um, towards kids in this next generation and, and moving forward. I believe that... In the coming days and weeks, um, you know, we're, we have some changes happening at the church too, hopefully. And uh, that's going to set us up for even greater um, impact in the next generation, and especially with kids where we have spaces that are really more geared towards them and that, that really create an environment that helps them to grow in their faith. So thank you so much, Heidi. Uh, to my right, uh, this is Alex and Joel. They lead our young adults. And so... Alex is also our intern. She's been interning at Project Church for the last, like, month and a half. My kids call her their Atta because they're all Filipino. And uh, so, Alex, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about young adults. Um, this is uh, something that we, we really see, especially in the church. The missing age group in church is that 18 to 25 group. Like, most churches just don't have that because what happens is kids graduate from high school and then they just – try to figure things out, and they leave the church. And so what we're trying to do is create an environment where we have that age group still represented in the church, not just represented, but they're serving, they're leading, they're impacting. They're not the leaders of the next generation. They're leaders of the now generation. And so we want to raise them up. And so we have this young adult group that's been going for the last year or so. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so God has been doing amazing things in our young adults group. We've seen so much breakthrough with our young adults. And even in the past, you know, few weeks, we've had so many young adults be baptized, which is amazing. It's incredible. Um, amen. But, yeah, uh, our vision and our goal is to have our young adults reflect a lifestyle of biblical truth and reflect Jesus in their everyday lives. And the way that we do that is through, you know, discussion in our small group and growing in our faith together in our uh, small young adults group. And also we're getting into 
um, Bible study discussion and really getting in depth with that as well. And I'm really excited for this next season of Young Adults and what God is going to do in and through our group. Um, and yeah, Joelle is going to tell you a little bit about uh, a typical Thursday night with our young adults. What's happening, y'all? My name is Joel, like Alex said. Yo, so Thursday nights, we get together, um, and we have our worship, we have our fellowship, but most importantly, yo, we crack the Bible open, and we actually teach their principles that you can find in the Word of God that might be a little dusty at your house right now, but we're going to open it up when you meet with us. Guarantee, this is not a where Christian mingles place. No, 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 no. Keep that. Do your own thing. Look, we right here, we is intentional. We want to know who Jesus is, what he wants us to be. Yo, so if you are... Between the ages of 18 to 25, I'm over 25, thank you, Jesus. Yo, so, but I'm going to still challenge y'all to come out, yo. I want y'all to come over, all right? I want y'all to come out, check us out on Thursday night, all right? Cool. So we're really excited about what's happening with young adults. These guys are doing a great job, and uh, it's exciting to see that missing demographic from church really having an influence and impact in our church because they're leaders, and they're leading right now. And so we're super excited with what God's doing. And then over on the far left, we got Tyler over here. Tyler's been leading our youth for the last, uh, I don't know, year and a half or so. Um, they meet on Sunday mornings during our 930 service. If you didn't know, they meet uh, first and third Sunday of the month. But uh, he's going to talk a little bit about it. And then Christian, one of our youth, is going to share a little bit about the impact it's had on his life. Yeah, so uh, it's been about a year and a half on and off, but we just started to make it a little bit more consistent the first and the third Sunday of the month. If there are five Sundays in the month, then we meet on the fifth Sunday as well. Thank you, Jesus. We get three uh, weekends with the kids. Uh, but youth is, uh, we've seen ama some amazing things. We've done some uh, homeless outreaches with them. We have a youth convention coming up soon as well. Uh, we're trying to uh, create more of an environment where they get to go out and meet other youth groups as well. But I remember when I was this age, when I was in middle school or high school, I didn't have a youth group. I didn't have that outlet. I put a lot of my identity into sports, into education, into relationships. Uh, and so for me, this is a vital age for our kids, for our next generation, uh, to find their identity and put their identity in Christ instead of uh, in, in uh, grades and sports and relationships uh, because I've seen it, I've gone through it, and that's the last thing I want for our youth. Uh, but we've seen some healthy growth as well. We only have about seven kids. Uh, we're growing. We've seen a couple new ones come in, uh, and it's healthy. So I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do. I'm excited uh, for our youth, and I'm excited to see them serve as well and go into even young adults afterwards uh, and join that group. So it's amazing to see all all three up here going from kids to youth to young adults uh, and, and that being a strong connection. So Very cool. So Christian's over here, and uh, he's a part of our youth community group that meets on Sunday morning. So he's just going to tell us a little bit about the impact it's had on him. Go ahead, Christian. All right, so... Right now, I'm a high school senior, but in youth right now, I wish I could have been it, in it during middle school because it's helped me out a lot. Like, I've figured out who I am as a person and who I am as in, like, a relationship with God and Jesus and what I can do for this community and all the other people in here. And, yeah, like, like Tyler said, this middle school through high school age group is a really, like, important time to just hone in on that individuality in the community and their relationships with God and Jesus. Cool, Christian. Well, thanks so much. We're excited for what God's doing in our kids, in our youth, in our young adults. And so right now, I want you guys to just make some noise. Give it up for them. Come on, give them some love for these guys. They're doing an amazing job. Thanks so much, guys. So let's read Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from verse number 1 through 8. It says this, but as for you... 
teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men, older men, make some noise in the house. If you're older, I don't know. Are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, you can be silent. Likewise, <laughs> are to be reverent. I, I just don't want to, I don't want to call you out. It was not, I'm not telling you to be silent. I'm saying, you know, I don't want you to say I'm older. Older women, you don't have to tell your age. Likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train the young women, young women make some noise, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself, younger men make some noise. To be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. I love this passage. Paul is writing uh, this letter to Titus. He's a young leader in the church, and he's challenging him. And what he's saying, and what I believe God is saying to us, is that there is a place... In the body of Christ for everyone. Not only that, that there's a place, but there's a call in the body of Christ on everyone. That older men, God has a role and a responsibility for you. Older women, God has a role and responsibility for you. Younger men, younger women, the same. We have a call. We have a purpose. And God wants us to exercise our gifts and, and our call in the local church. I remember about a year and a half ago. A woman, she's in her 60s, she came to me. She had been attending our church for a little over a year. And she comes to me and she says, Caleb, I think I'm, I'm going to have to leave the church. And, and I said, you know, well, why? Can you tell me why? And she said, well, I just don't feel like I belong here because you don't need me. You know, it, you have a lot of younger people. You have a younger church. And, and I just don't think you need me here. I don't really have, have anything I can give here. And so I'm just going to go somewhere where there's more people my age, where I, where I fit in. Um, and, and I think that would be a better fit for me. And I literally pleaded with her. And I said, no, you don't understand. We need you more than ever. I said, we need spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers in this church. We need older men and older women alongside of younger men. And younger women, I think one of the greatest disservices we've done in the church is that we have said the older generation had their time, they had their moment, and now it's our time. Now, while there are new leaders and younger leaders rising up, and I'm one of those, right? Like, I'm a young pastor, so naturally our church is younger in terms of age demographic, yet we still need all ages in the church. We still need older men, older women, younger men, younger women. Why? Because we all have a role. We all have a call. We all have a, a, a purpose in the local body. And if one member of the body is missing, is missing the body suffers. If, the, if, if, the, if a finger is missing, the body suffers. If, if a leg is missing, the body suffers. If one part of the body is missing, the body suffers. And so maybe you're in here and you've been coming. You're like, oh, I don't know if I fit here. I don't know if I fit this age demographic. Let me tell you, you have a role. You have a place. We need you. The church needs you. The local church needs you. What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about how can we set up the next generation. Some ways to set up the next generation. Number one, we got to teach them. Everybody say teach. We got to teach them. We got to teach them to be in the word. We got to teach them to know the word. 
We got to teach them to understand theology, the context of what scripture means. And I love our church because we have community groups that meet every day of the week right now. And they meet, and you know what they do? They get together, they have relationships, and then they open this up. They open up the word of God and they study it together. And they learn together. And they grow together. And they challenge each other together. We have to teach the word of God, and we're doing that, but we have to teach the next generation too. We have to be a church that continues to open God's word, that continues to teach God's word. Why? Because this is who God is calling us to be, those that would fight for the next generation. It says older men and older women, what do you do? You have a call to pour into the next generation, to teach the next generation. You know, I I love that this challenge here is that it says urge young men to be self-controlled. Because how many of you know that some of you younger men, that's one of the hardest things, using self-control. And I'm thankful that I've had examples in my life of older men who have shown me an example of what self-control looks like. Of what self-control looks like for for my life and and, and around me. And I just want to encourage you that we would teach the next generation. I want to be a person that doesn't just open this up on Sundays, that doesn't just open this up for myself even. I have children. I have three children. And I I love to read the Bible with them, to talk to them about Scripture, for them to ask me questions. My my son, I joke all the time, my seven-year-old, he's a skeptic. And all the time he's like, Dad, how do you know God's real? You can't see him. You've never talked to him. Like He's like always challenging me. But this is a great opportunity for me to teach him, to teach him what the Bible says, to teach him how I know God. I know God because the word of God lays out Jesus. And it tells me about Jesus' life. And Jesus walked this earth. And I can tell him and say, listen, we know the heart of God because we know the heart of Jesus. He set the example for us of who God is. And so this is our call is to teach the next generation. Number two, we got to train them. Everybody say train. It's not just about teaching them to know the Bible. It's about teaching them how to live out the Bible. You see that? You can't just teach them to know it because knowledge is one thing. But when you live it out, when it becomes a part of your heart, it becomes a part of your actions. Many of you have known the Bible at times, but it wasn't until it hit your heart that it started to pour out of your life. It has to start with knowledge, but then it's got to transfer to the heart so that it, that it becomes action. We have to train them in how to live, how to act, how to talk. It goes on and it says, be sober-minded, be self-controlled, be dignified. This is talking about men and women. You know, I talk to my boys. I talk to them about how to treat women. I train my boys in, in, in to open doors for their mom, to open doors for people when they're walking near them. This is the opportunity we have to set up the next generation by training them. I train them in what the Word of God says and how it then applies to their life. My son the other day, he's been learning some verses. He's been memorizing some verses. And he said to me, he said, Dad, I just read the verse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. My brother just hit me, so I'm going to hit him back. And he literally used that verse to justify it. He said, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, hit those who hit. And I was like, bro, bro, hold up a second. Like, that's about having empathy for someone's emotions and feelings and situation, what they're going through. Not only that, but there's another part of the Bible 
that says, if your enemy slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And he's like, I don't like that one, Dad. <laughs> so this is the opportunity we have. We train them. We teach them the word, but we train them in how it applies to our life, what it means for our life. If you look around, a lot of the reasons that young adults, I believe, this 18 to 25-year-old range, they, they leave the church, they get pulled away from the church is because they're in university, and for the first time ever, they're challenged in their thinking. And for too long, they weren't allowed to ask the hard questions. So then when the hard questions are asked of them, they don't know how to respond. And so when my kid asks me, when my son says to me with his cynical attitude, Dad, how do you know God? You've never seen him. You've never talked to him. You've never heard his voice. I don't shut those kind of questions down, which has happened. Just believe it, son, because I say. No, that doesn't work. I say, well, let's talk about it. Let's explore it. Let's dig into what the Bible says. Let's explore how, how that relates uh, to us today and how we can understand God more by looking at the scriptures. We train them by letting them dig in and ask the hard questions. We've always said we want to be a church that lets, ask people, lets people ask the hard questions. We don't run from any topic. We don't stray from the hard topics. We run at them. We, we go to them. Why? Because we want to train people to know the word. That's how we set up this next generation. You know, I, I uh, just got the iPhone update. You guys get the iPhone update? I just got it. I don't know what it was, like 12.1 or something. iPhone 12.1. Well, I got the iPhone update, and yesterday my phone, it alerted me to my average screen time per day. Y'all get this? And the Holy Spirit just spoke through Apple. <laughs> convicted me. I got the, I almost dropped to the floor when I, when I got my update and it told me this is your average screen time per day. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. Lord, what have I done? I don't want my children to know me as, as the dad that's like this all the time. And I get it. We're trying to build our platform. We're trying to build our brand. We're trying to build our social media. But I want to be a person that's there for my kids, that teaches my kids, that trains my kids, that has face-to-face -face time with my kids. And I, I, I saw my average, y'all. I got some work to do. I'm trying to cut it down. Next month, I'm going to come to you back. Y'all, I cut off an hour, okay, from my, from my average day usage screen time on the iPhone, man. I, I love that my wife calls me out on it. She does all the time. Last night, yesterday, it was Saturday. I was watching football on my phone. Like, I had like my my iPad in front of me. I had three devices going at once. She's like, what are you doing? Go play Legos with your kids. And I'm like, you're right. And I did. And I hate Legos, but I built Legos with them. <laughs> Why? Because I need to give them the time. Because in that time, I have an opportunity to teach them, to speak life into them, to train them, which is number three. Or, sorry, number three, we need to set up the next generation by teaching them, set up the next generation by training them. Third, set up the next generation by modeling it for them. And if the band would come back, we got to set a model for them. I want to real quick hit on the four stages of parenting. I shared this with you before, but I, I know we got a lot of parents in here. If you're not a parent, uh, okay, you can tune out or you could take this and say, one day I might be a parent, so I'm going to use this. Four stages of parenting. I think we have jacked up, uh, we have jacked up parenting these days. We were jacked up by jacked up parents. Anybody? Come on, somebody. Um, we had helicopter parents. Uh, we had controlling parents. We, we had all kinds of parents. And so, and so some of us, we've tried to change how we parent, but I think we're missing it. 
I think there's four stages of parenting, and we need to go through, through these stages in the proper process, stage by stage, one stage at a time. So here's the first stage, the discipline years, ages one to five. Let me tell you, this is a rough stage. Chrissy and I, we had three kids in three years. And uh, at one point, we had a, a, a child that was barely three, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and a brand-new baby. And I remember there was a season there where I felt like all we were ever doing was disciplining our kids. I'm like, this is horrible. All day, all I do is say, stop doing that. Stop touching that. Stop throwing that. Stop hitting your brother. Stop talking that way. You know, it's, it's nonstop. That's all I do. Correcting, disciplining, uh, constantly. But let me tell you, stages are seasons. And the seasons and the stages will change. Now I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. So we're still doing a little bit of discipline. But then the next stage, throw it up there, is the training years. So now you begin to train. From five to 12 years old, you're training them. You're training them how to act, how to behave, how to talk. It's more training. It's not as much discipline. It's training. The third stage is the coaching years. So this is from 12 to 18. So now you're coaching them. And it, you understand the idea of a coach. Most of you have played sports at least at some point in your life. And you get the idea of a coach. Like there's a lot of things that have already been put in place. And you're just helping guide what's been the foundation that's there. You're helping guide and strengthen the foundation that they already have. And then the final stage is the friendship years, 18 plus. Andy Stanley says something. He says this. He says later is longer. What happens is a lot of parents are like, I want to be their friend. So they're trying to be a three-year-old's friend. They're trying to be a seven-year-old's friend. They're trying to be a 14-year-old's friend. Let me tell you, you'll have the opportunity to be a friend. 18 plus is a long time. You'll be able to be their friend someday. Right now, you ain't their friend. I tell my kids all the time, I ain't your friend. No, I don't tell them that. I just think it. I just think it. I got to discipline them. I got to train them. I got to coach them. Then I become their friend. I remember my, my dad is one of my best friends now. But when I was a kid, I was, he wasn't my friend. He disciplined me. He trained me, coached me. But now we have friendship. And we have for years. And we will for many more years, God willing. But what happens is parents, they try to discipline when a kid's like 13 years old because the kid starts acting the fool starts being crazy, starts getting out there, not listening to anything. And so they're like, I got to discipline my kid now. It's too late. It's too late. You waited too long. You didn't set the foundation. So I want to encourage you parents and those of you that will be parents one day, that you walk through these stages. Someday you'll be their friend. Someday. Later's longer. But right now, there's discipline. Then there's training. Then there's coaching. Then the friendship comes. So I want to challenge you, parents, because we got to model it for them. We model it by how we live. Listen, I want my kids to look at my marriage and say, that's the kind of marriage I want to have one day. My wife and I make sure they see us hugging and kissing every day. And y'all's kids do what my kids do, which is like, ew, gross, right? Stop it. But let me tell you, they see that. And they remember that. And they, they recognize that they have, they, they have parents that love each other, that, that 
are willing to, to kiss each other and, and, and they see that, that affection that was meant to be seen by children from their parents. We model it for them by how we live. We model it for them by where we go, by what we do with our time. I don't want church, as I said to you earlier, to be an afterthought. I don't want it to be my leftovers. I want it to be a priority in my family's life. That God is our priority. The Word of God is the priority. The things of God are priority. That's what I want in my heart and my life. And I believe that's what God wants for all of you. So here's what I want to challenge you with today. A legacy. I want to ask you about your legacy. I want to ask you what legacy do you want to have and what legacy do you have. You see, it doesn't matter the legacy that came before you. What matters is the legacy you decide to have from this day forward. And I believe there's probably some people in this room that if you had to be honest, you say, Caleb, I don't know if my legacy is one that's going to be rooted in God because I haven't been pursuing God. I haven't been walking out a relationship with God. I haven't been running towards Jesus. I haven't been serving Jesus. Today's your day to start a legacy. Here's what I believe. There are ripples that will carry on for generations. And it starts right now. I believe that the life I'm living right now does not just affect me. And it doesn't just affect my children. It'll affect my children's children. And my children's children's children. The life I live matters because it has a lasting effect that goes on from generation to generation. And sometimes we don't think about it. We think, oh, I'm just here for, I got maybe 80 years, maybe 90. I die and I'm forgotten. You'll be forgotten one day. I'm guessing by my great grandkids generation, they won't even remember my name. But you know what will happen? There'll be a ripple effect a legacy that, that Jesus was passed down from me to my kids and my kids to their kids. My kids, they don't know my grandfather. They never even met him. But his legacy is still impacting them. His legacy is still touching them. His legacy is still leading them. They don't even know it. They never even met him. It's the same for us. You can begin a legacy today in this place. Maybe your legacy is one of death, destruction, brokenness. It can change today. If you're in this room and you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus, you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, make that your legacy starting today. That Jesus is at the center. God is at the forefront. Or maybe you did at one time you say, Caleb, I've been running from God. I've been turning my back on God. I've been trying to do it my way. Today's your day to reconnect to the legacy that's rooted in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me across this place, church?